Hi, this is Jason Cascarino. Thanks for listening to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of Remaking Middle School, an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. In the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, we feature conversations with researchers, practitioners, program developers, and advocates. Drawing content from our past two seasons of episodes, we are offering a series of mini-lessons on important topics relating to positive early adolescent development and effective middle-level education. This mini-lesson is about relationships. Welcome to Remaking Middle School, an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. And now we're at the pivot point in our work where the question is, can we not just show that relationships, uh, developmental relationships are associated with good outcomes, but can we build practical tools and resources that help schools and programs strengthen the relationships and then does that improve the outcomes for kids so uh, we want to move from research that establishes correlation the association between development relationships and good outcomes to causation can we strengthen the relationships to put kids on the path to thrive Relationships are undoubtedly a vital part of any student's growth. You just heard from Dr. Kent Pakel, the former CEO of Search Institute, a Minneapolis-based nonprofit organization focused on studying the factors that drive youth success. And by making relationships a key cornerstone of the Institute's research mission, Dr. Pakel details how the foundation behind building good relationships can be used to directly foster youth development. So super briefly, we're defining developmental relationships as uh, close connections that develop three things for young people and young adults. First is positive identity. I know and like who I am. The second is agency. I can influence my world. Life doesn't just happen to me. And the third is a connection to community, that I am better when I'm connected to other people. And, and also, really importantly, other people are better when they're connected to me. So that's kind of the big three. And for those nerds out there, you'll you'll recognize that that's kind of a variation on what sometimes gets called self-determination theory. And what we've shown is that there are five key elements of relationships that produce those things. And they are expressing care is number one. Challenging growth is number two. Providing support is number three. Sharing power is number four. And number five is expanding possibilities. And the reason we designed the framework as a set of actions was because as we looked at the world of of practice, we found very few really practical ways, if you're a teacher, if you're a mentor, if you're an out-of-school time program staff person, to translate the research on relationships, which is voluminous, into something practical and simple that you can do. And so what we showed is when kids experience relationships with adults in schools, in out-of-school time, in families that are characterized by those five elements, their social-emotional competencies are, are better, their academic outcomes are better, their risk behaviors are lower. But how do we begin building these relationships, or rather, what should they look like? Dr. Elizabeth Santiago, the former chief program officer of Mentor, a Boston-based nonprofit advancing the field of youth mentorship, reveals that the answer might lie beyond the bubble of academia, and instead in community relationships that organically form over time. The Mentoring Effect uh, was the first nationally representative survey of young people's perspective on mentoring, 
And that was really exciting for us because we were able to ask firsthand if a young person had a mentor in their lives and how they were getting mentored in the ways in which that, that was showing up for them. And so the result of that was that we discovered that one in three young people never had an adult mentor in their in their lives outside of their families. And when we say adult mentor, we mean a sort of formal mentor, like they actually went into a program and requested mentoring support. But what we were finding is that mentoring was naturally occurring in communities and in neighborhoods, and we weren't necessarily counting that until mentoring effect really showed that that was happening. And it really changed the trajectory of how we worked in the sense that we started focusing on, well, what is that natural or informal mentoring relationship? Uh, What does that look like? Where Where does that happen? And how do we bolster that kind of mentoring and and have it play an equal role to the formal structured mentoring that we had been used to. We're looking at programs or we're looking at community-based organizations. We're looking at people in communities who are showing up for young people in ways that that are not formal or programmatic. So that has caused a shift in, in sort of how we campaign. By recognizing and understanding the natural relationships forming in communities, the dynamics of mentorship shifted from one that is solely academic and program-focused towards one that encompasses the fullness of a student's life. So how do we combine both this organic knowledge and proven theory into something that feels accessible? Kiana Dixon and Janika Jackson, both students at Brooklyn College and consultants with the Center for Supportive Schools, Explain how this exact balancing act was part of their job as mentors with the Peer Group Connection, or PGC. To them, mentorship came from an all-bases perspective, meaning that Janika and Kiana were willing to help their students with any issues that they were struggling with, both in and out of school. We definitely help them with their transition um, from middle school to high school because high school is a much bigger environment. And yes, our school wasn't that big, but these are people that you don't know. You just spent three years with all these other kids and majority of them are not going to be there. So not only were we available to help them with academic things, but it was mainly social skills and life skills. So instead of calling ourselves mentors, we were more big sisters to them. The biggest reason why I decided to be a part of PGC was because of the fact that I didn't have that type of helping hand or that type of um, guidance whenever I was a freshman. Whenever it came down to situations at home, I helped them uh, as far as how to go about that. Because you know, there's this rebellious phase that you might have or you're you're always angry or sad about the things that are happening outside of school. And sometimes kids tend to bring that to school and it affects the way that they act in the classroom or the way they do their work. And I feel like our biggest thing was helping them with those situations so that they can prosper in every other area. The mentees, when they first came into the school, I think it was the same shock as well. They expected bigger, they expected better. And with that being said, a lot of their attitude towards school was really in the negatives. Like they didn't really want to come and be in the environment. They were brand new to the building. So even when they first met us, they were fairly quiet. They didn't want to share anything really. So our first real interaction with them, I remember we were all in this really big room and we each had our own set of mentees. Me and my co-leader, we had around five or six new freshmen 
Kiana and her co-leader would have like five or six and we were all seated in this really big room and none of them would speak anything <laughs> aside from their names and where they came from. With the attitudes that they had towards school, we would have to try to work around that because if they didn't care for the school, why would they care to talk to a bunch of 12th graders that they don't know? So I think one of the first things we worked on with them was helping them understand that life is what you make it. So the same as through school. So what we would use to do that is a lot of different outreaches that the PGC program, Peer Group Connections, would provide to us. So if we wanted to do an outreach with them about, for instance, words, how words can be hurtful. It was called I Lack, I Am Loving and Caring. The gist of that outreach was basically someone would stand up with a sign that had I Lack written on it. The students would each take a role, so teacher, um, staff member, parent, and they would kind of say hurtful things that would come from each of those people and rip a part of the sign off. And at the end, they'd come back and apologize or say something nice and tape it back on. So it kind of represented that you can say mean things and hurt someone's feelings. And yes, you can apologize, but they will never really be the same as before you said it. So kind of being mindful of what you say, what you speak into the air and how you handle yourself around other people because you never know how they may react. And the reactions we started to get from them once we used those type of outreaches were really meaningful. I didn't even expect their reactions most of the time because they were so like tough and hardcore and I don't care. And then to see those same students crying was really mind blowing to me. So essentially, we had to break boundaries with them so that we can build ourselves up back together to be one whole group and for it to work better for everybody. So, you know, they didn't have the best beginning because they just didn't know what to come into. But as we took our time with them, it was much easier. And I think the biggest reason for that is because whenever we joined PGC, it wasn't because we just wanted to have something to look good on our resume or something like that. I feel like both of us genuinely loved being a part of PGC because it's just a great experience to have as far as meeting new people and helping people in ways that you yourself didn't get the help in. And so we built bonds with them. And I feel like they really appreciate that and they responded well to that. You know, we received all of that back. In research and in practice, relationships are a fundamental building block to the project of remaking the middle school years as an empowering and transformative time and space for young adolescents. For more resources on relationships and early adolescents, check out the content available on the Remaking Middle School website at remakingmiddleschool.org.